Welcome to the Zanakon Plug Podcast, the podcast that takes you inside Zambia's biggest bank and puts us in conversation with industry leaders and creative pioneers. Today's episode, though, if you're a startup innovator, come closer. Listen closely, because we'll be discussing legal issues that will probably affect you sometime soon. And to help me discuss this, we have in the studio today, Zanako Chief Legal Officer and Company Secretary, Kaluba Kaulungombe Inampasa. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Thank a bit you. of a tongue twister for me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Zanako Unplug Podcast. Thank you. Kaluba, let's dive straight into it. When it comes to intellectual property laws and the people I just mentioned, startups and innovators... What laws should they be aware of? What should they be aware of when it comes to intellectual property laws? Okay. So thank you, Kalenga, for having me. You're welcome. Um, allowing me to have this conversation around my thoughts in terms of intellectual property. So before we get into what the laws are, I think it's important to just carry everyone along to ensure they understand what intellectual property is. Cause, uh, yeah? Okay. So intellectual property is really uh, intangible property, property that you can't touch, but which you can own. And it's coming out of a creation of your mind, your creativity. So tangible property will be, okay, I have this pen, tangible property, but intellectual property you cannot touch. How does it come up? A creation of your mind. So it could be you write a book, you write a song, you come up with a product or a process to develop um, and an end product. So that's all intellectual property. So as you may know, intellectual property obviously would have economic value depending on what it is that you have actually developed. And it's therefore important that you then have your rights protected. Protection of those rights will then ensure that your uh, invention, your development, your innovation is not duplicated by others. And if they want to use it, then they should be getting approval from you by way of a license. So intellectual property will be in two categories. There is what we call industrial property, which is a patent, a trademark, a trade secret, an industrial design. And then we also have copyright. So starting with copyright, that's um, Literal work, um, artistic work, like the stuff I've talked about, you write a book, write a poem, write a song, sing a song, all that is copyright. And uh, with uh, patent, it's really a process or a procedure to develop a product. So imagine you are developing uh, a painkiller like Panadol. If you're saying you've come up with a process or a procedure to develop Panadol differently from what is currently obtaining, that would probably fall into um, a patent. Um, industrial design would be the shape of a product. So, for instance, a motor vehicle, Mercedes, for instance, they probably have protected that design by way, the design of the vehicle, so that at the end of the day, it is only them making that design. And if uh, anyone wants to make that design, they would require necessary licensing. A trademark would be a sign, a symbol that differentiates a product from the other. Uh, it could be a logo, so that also needs uh, protection. So basically, that's the two categories of intellectual property. Coming to the laws, I think I've explained why you need to, 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 to protect your intellectual property. So coming to the laws, we have various um, laws right now in Zambia. We have a law uh, relating to patent protection. We have a law relating to trademarks. We have a law relating to copyright, a law relating to industrial design. 
we actually have a law relating to protection of plant breeding varieties. So if you take two plants, breed them, create a hybrid, you can actually get intellectual property protection for that. So, so all these seed companies have all, yes, all these yes. IPs going. Well, as long as they can demonstrate that they've, um, they've developed that, then you would need to get intellectual property protection. Otherwise, someone will just come along, copy your invention, replicate it, and you will not be able to bring any legal action against the person. You know, with all that you've said, I'm already thinking of, you know, uh, creators, innovators, inventors. I've got friends falling in those categories. And I'm thinking on their behalf, like, how can they protect, you know, their creations? Then let's talk about nationally to start with and then internationally as well. Am I able to protect my creation here in Zambia and also around the world? How can I do that? How can I go about doing that? Okay. So if you're an inventor, innovator, developer, I think the first thing you need to do is just understand in which category does the intellectual property you own fall. So like I've explained, there are two categories. It may be industrial design. It may be copyright. So we have the Patents and Companies Registration Agency, which grants rights for intellectual property protection. So starting from a copyright, actually for a copyright, it's a bit different because um, your right in that um, um, development crystallizes immediately you create it. So if I write a book, immediately I put the full stop there. Mm -hmm. That's my copyright. But at the end of the day, I still need to go to PACRA and request that that right is registered. Okay. So that at the point that someone tries to replicate that or misuse that, I would then be able to raise a claim. If it's a trademark, you must, remember I said a trademark is a mark, it's a symbol that differentiates products. So for that one as well, I'll need to put in an application at PACRA. At PACRA. And um, if... PACRA runs a search and finds that there's nobody else with that mark. They can grant me that trademark protection for a particular period of time. If I want that trademark to be protected internationally, I'll need to apply for protection in the countries where I want that intellectual, that trademark to be protected. Okay. There are also com uh, companies that are part of the Paris Convention relating to trademarks. So if I'm trying to apply for uh, protection in a country that is a member party of the, the Paris Convention, then as soon as I register my trademark in Zambia, I have that protection. Okay. For patents, you must, so you must develop the, the process or the procedure to developing your product. It must be a new process or procedure. You can't just go and copy and say I've developed something. You must demonstrate that it's novel, it's new. You must also demonstrate that it's able to be replicated or it, it has industrial application. They call it industrial application. So if you can meet those two requirements, then you go to PACRA, request that protection as well. If you want international protection, you can apply in other countries, but you must leave a six months window. So if I want protection in another country and apply now in Zambia, I must wait for six months and then apply in other countries as well. Okay. So basically that's how it works. Industrial design, same thing. You apply within Zambia and you apply internationally as well. So I would urge every innovator, inventor, developer, I think to walk to 
PACRA or read from the website, but rather go and have a conversation to just understand in what category of intellectual property does your um, creation fall mm. so that then you'd know what to do to protect your rights. Speaking of categories that, you know, like you've mentioned, as your creation for, what are some of the key regulations and compliance issues that, you know, specific industries, let's say maybe fintech, you know, innovators should be aware of? Are there any key regulations, compliance issues that uh, they should look out for? So I think we've talked about um, the need to, maybe let's start from the understanding of what is a fintech. Okay. okay. Let's start from there. Yeah. Yeah. So my understanding of a fintech is really a company that uses computer applications and systems to be able to facilitate financial transactions, usually. And um, if you look at it like that, then you'd then be thinking, obviously there are innovative applications that you're coming up with, so you must then understand in which category of intellectual property they fall and get the necessary protection. Uh, beyond that, you need to ask yourself, what legal form will this fintech take? Um, some people decide to do that kind of business, but not really formalize that as a company in which it would be a sole trade. You'd be like a sole trader, individual doing it. But that also has liability that comes with it. And usually for you to onboard customers to use your app, they would want to be working with an established entity. So you might then want to register a company, which would then run that fintech business. So the fintech would take the form of a registered company. And so the Companies Act would apply to you, probably register it as a private company limited by shares. The Companies Act obviously would be setting out what the requirements are for incorporation of a company, what are your governance structures, what are your comp compliance expectations as regards annual returns, financials, and things like that. Okay. Beyond that, um, if you are providing payment solutions, mm -hmm then you'll probably be captured um, by the Bank of Zambia as a regulator. So there's an act called the National Payment Systems Act, which regulates payment systems in the, in the country. Okay. So you'd obviously need to get the necessary uh, licensing under that uh, act. There are also regulations under that, that same act, regulations um, regulating how e-money transactions should happen. Because obviously a payment solution means you're dealing with e-money in yes, a way. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. so you'd obviously need to ensure that you have the necessary um, registration there. Mm. Beyond that, um, I think the fintech just needs to know what sector are you working in? What's the applicable uh, regulation there? Who are your potential regulators? If you're using communication devices, things like that, you'll probably be captured under Zikta. So there's an electronic uh, communication and, and transactions act mm -hmm. that might apply to you. So it's important to have a working knowledge on what the expectation is. Beyond that, the question would be, um, is the fintech a one-man show or not? Probably not. Yeah, is it a sole proprietor? Yes. Limited company? Yes. Yeah. So if it's a company, you probably have employees. So then you'll be captured under the applicable employment laws. So there's the Employment Code Act. There's the NEMA Act, which requires that you provide uh, appropriate medical insurance. There's NAPSA. There's ZRA, because you are a company, so you'll be tax. liable to tax. Yes. There's workers' compensation. If people are injured in their work, you must uh, look at that. There's local government as well. 
you know, you might have to pay some business levies and have particular licenses. Yeah, so you also need to have there. a working understanding of those pieces of legislation as well. So um, for as long as you incorporate into a company, it's not just I'm in the fintech business, I'm only doing payment solutions. You need to look at it as what are the other applicable uh, regulations to a company and ensure that you are compliant. What would actually help um, a person trying to get into a business is really to get an all-round legal opinion. Mm-hmm. Starting from your innovation or invention, um, that legal opinion would help you to do the necessary checks. Is that invention or creation or innovation already registered at PACRA? Because if it is, maybe you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you should just be asking who the asking from the owner of that mm-hmm. IP yes. for a license to be able to then exploit that particular intellectual property you'd be interested in. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned uh, something quite interesting when it comes to um, innovation and the risks that it comes with. And I think we've seen a lot of uh, examples when it comes to the risks that can come with being innovative. I'll give an example of Facebook already. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg and the legal issues he went through when uh, starting Facebook, others claiming the idea and things like that. But when it comes to, let's, let's bring it locally here. How can startups and you know, businesses proactively manage legal risks while pursuing innovation? Yeah, so I would start from um, the fact that if you want to get into this business, yes, you must have a full understanding of what you're getting into. So I think legal advice for me is very important. It helps you manage your legal risks because your legal risks might be coming from your invention. It might be coming from a failure of compliance so for me, that is the principal starting point. And um, a legal opinion, of course, depending on which lawyers you go to, yeah, it might vary. But it's something that's definitely affordable if you think that your business is worth its sort and what you want to actually achieve at the end of the day. So that would be my starting point. Would a clever way of go- navigating that, ha- would, would it be having a lawyer on the board maybe? Yes, having a lawyer on the board, but that um, be an affordable and clever way of <laughs> navigating the legal risk. So, um, when you're incorporating a company, yes, one of the requirements is that you have at least uh, two shareholders, yes. and two board members. Board members yeah. yeah, and uh, realistically speaking, uh, it obviously depends on what your affordability would be. You could get a lawyer on your board mm-hmm. on a pro bono basis. It, there are some that That's provide that service, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But beyond that, um, you could actually just walk to a firm if you cannot afford to, because with a with a with a board director, if they're not on your board pro bono, that you'd have to be paying them quarterly mm. fees. Yeah. Which then begs the question of affordability for you. Yes. So if you can't afford to have a constant person on the board, you can actually just have or retain the services of an external counsel who you will consult periodically and you will pay as and when you require that support. But that for me is the most important thing. Get compliance support to understand what laws apply to you. Because remember, ignorance of the law is not a defense. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary, actually. Kaluba, speaking of um, legal issues and the innovation landscape, are there any examples you can give us of maybe something that happened recently or maybe some case that you that comes to mind when you think of innovation and the legal landscape? 
Yeah, okay. So possibly what might be very applicable is to see what's happening in Zambia. Okay. There hasn't been so much activity in terms of uh, litigation, but there's a recent case, a 2022 case decided by the Supreme Court relating to Manzi, Manzi Valley and another company. So um, it's called, actually called Natural Valley, Natural Valley uh, versus failure, I think, or something like that. So what happened in this case was that um, Natural Valley slash Manzi Valley had developed a, a bottle, mm. a water bottle. If you remember, there are those, or well, you probably have seen them, the 18.9 liter water bottle. Hold on for the, the dispensers. Big ones. Yes. yes, the water dispenser. Yes, yeah. yes. So they developed that, uh, protected it both from a, a trademark point of view okay. and also as an industrial design. Then along the way, competitors began to use the same bottle to bottle their water. Wow. But the only difference was the logos. So Natural Valley slash Manzi Valley then decided to bring an action for infringement of their trademark and then industrial design. And the court actually found in their favor that they the won. competitors, yes, wow. should not have used their bottle. So for me, that's a 2022 case. Yeah. I think it's really demonstrating people's awareness on intellectual property law as well as their rights. And also what the court stance is around um, enforcement of rights. For as long as you've correctly registered and your rights are still valid for the period of time of protection, Mm. the court will grant you the required relief. You know, I think from that Manzi Valley example you've given, there's, there are a lot of times where you hear somebody say, somebody copied my idea and, you know, as I'm just like complaining about stuff, but not really taking any action. I think we should be more proactive when it comes to taking legal action. Because a lot of times you just complain. Somebody copied your idea and you just let go. I agree. Yeah. But I think what uh, precludes people from taking action usually is you come up with the idea, but you don't protect it. That's a starting So remember, point. if it's yeah. not protected, I'll copy your design, your idea, and I'll roll it out and protect it as my own tomorrow. <laughs> and at that point, you will not have any legal right to bring an action against me. So it's about so who goes case, to background first and yes. has that patented or copyrighted and things like that. Yes. Okay. Interesting. And I must say, it's not that expensive. Um, the fees are quite affordable. So maybe it's more of an education point of view. And I think where we're going intellectual property uh, rights are definitely going to be a very big issue going forward. Which leads me to the next question. What do you, what do you foresee right now when it comes to innovation related legal issues in this country? Is there anything that you foresee and uh, you know, what should innovators be prepared for okay, in the coming so, years? Yeah. So I'll answer that in two ways. From a regulatory landscape, I think that what we expect to see is a number of changes in our laws. Uh, some of our laws are a bit on the older side, but obviously there's been a move to revise some of them. We've seen a revision of the Patents Act. There's currently a bill in Parliament um, repealing and replacing the current Trademarks Act. So the new law that's supposed to come is looking at better protection of trademarks as well as geographical indications. So what we expect to see, obviously, is a change in the regulatory landscape around that. Um, I think we we'll also would also be expecting to see development of new laws. Um, artificial intelligence 
mm-hmm. I think is a big issue right now. How yes, far will you go is. to yeah. use that? Um, who's going to claim rights over that property? Because if I use a robot to do you this, you know, if we that, had like three hours to do this podcast, I would have asked more about what if I write a book <laughs> using Chat GPT and you know other artificial intelligence platforms like uh, Open AI. Exactly. Who gets the patent so, then? Is it the yes. software or is it me? Exactly. Yeah. So I think those are the issues that we're going to see a lot of um, decisions being made on. Um, I think we're aware already that in the Americas and the in Europe, this is an active conversation that's going on on how to manage uh, artificial intelligence. We expect to see that that will trickle down to, to Africa, to Zambia. Another thing that I would think would also be coming is probably regulation around uh, cryptocurrencies and all that. Because I think it's sort of taken the world by storm. There are all sorts of versions now. And I think it would not be the best of things for us as a country to bury our heads in the sand and think these things are not coming. They will come. So maybe it's about time we start thinking about how we're going to regulate that so that we also protect investors. We protect our Zambians. We protect those that want to invest in cryptocurrency or utilize it for their various transactions. Um, I also think that there will be some very active litigation around intellectual property rights for the reasons I've explained. So many inventions going on, trademark developments, copyright, like you said, how you use chat GDP, write a book, who covers that? So there'll be all those conversations ongoing. So I would really just be saying to an inventor, innovator, a developer, to remain abreast with the developments. But most importantly, to protect your intellectual property because that's the only way you can harness any value out of your creative works. Yeah. I think we should end on that note. And um, I think any startup or any business house watching this has learned something. Most importantly, whatever we do with our businesses and our innovations, let's involve a lawyer, right? Yes. Are you going to charge me if I come to... Of course. <laughs> Look at her. I'm no, I will podcast. say something. <laughs> I have um, an idea and I need a lawyer. So. <laughs> no, I'm a member of Lars. So I think one of the things that Lars has been working towards is encouraging us to give pro bono support in Thank certain you. areas. So, um, yeah, to take up cases and so on. So perhaps if your desire for help came through a a case that you have, you could actually have pro uh, pro bono support. Thank you. I've got all these witnesses watching this episode right now. I've got free legal services from uh, Kaluba. (laughs) Kaluba, thanks a lot for coming through to the Zanaku Unplugged podcast. And thanks a lot for educating us because I know there are a lot of, this is a generation full of creatives. You know yes. what I mean? And a lot of us are putting content out there that we're not protecting. And I think what you've educated us on today is going to protect a lot of our innovations and our creativity going forward. Thanks a lot for coming through. Thank you, Kalenga, for having me. And I really do hope that our viewers have learned something Most this definitely. conversation. Most definitely. Thank you. There's an Plug podcast. This is the end of uh, season one. Look out for season two coming up very, very soon. And uh, more interesting guests like Kalua will be coming up on the Zanaku Unplugged podcast. My name is Kalenga Till. Next time. Thank you.